Welcome to the Big Presentations Podcast, where we offer encouragement and guidance to those who make big presentations in small rooms. We believe that properly focused practice and preparation result in effective communications. I'm your host, Paul Gibson. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's another episode of the Big Presentations Podcast. Today, we are talking about three ways that you can adapt presentations. What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out. Let's get into the core content. Here we go. If you can adapt presentations, you'll save time and have better messages. Adaptation is a gift. When delivering big presentations in small rooms, there are many things you can adapt. Here are three to consider. Facial expressions, tone, and words. First, let's talk about facial expression. When presenting, be observant and wise. Adjust your face to provide what is needed in that situation. Sometimes it won't be easy because what is required and what comes naturally are not always the same. Your expressions carry information. So you can adapt your face to carry the message that best leads people toward the goal. Another thing you can adapt is your tone. Imagine you are in a public gathering space. You sit quietly and listen. You focus on a conversation where you can hear the tone without being able to decipher the words. Do you think you could identify the overall tone of the interaction? Is it positive, negative, stressful, intimate, friendly, professional? When delivering big presentations in small rooms, your tone carries information even with people who cannot decipher the words you speak. So, you can adapt your tone to carry the message that best leads people toward the goal. And, of course, you can adapt your words. Words transmit information, and you can customize them to meet the needs of the situation. One of my favorite software applications is called Grammarly. I gladly pay for a subscription because it provides proofing and feedback for my compositions. I appreciate the way I can choose from various types of audiences, formality levels, and domains. The software guides me in ways that equip me to create customized content. The core content can be the same, while the approach, the words, are tailored to reach a specific audience. The words are customized to meet the needs of the audience. So remember, you can adapt your presentations. It's freeing to know that you have that power. You're not locked into a specific way of presenting. In most situations, you're not locked into a specific wording. You have the freedom to adapt. So use it wisely. Apply self-discipline to provide what is best for your audience. Customize your facial expressions, your tone, and your words so that they all work together to create a set of signposts faithfully guiding the audience toward the goal. So we're going to get into the ways that we can make the most of our content. But before we do that, as always, we're going to take a quick glance into our rearview mirror as to what we did last week on the podcast. Last week, we talked about things to remember when organizing content. And it was a humbling episode for me because it involves a couple of embarrassing stories. But forget those. 
because we learned the importance of defining our goal, discovering our time limitations, and then using that information to choose an appropriate structure. It was good stuff. That it was. And we're going to get into more good stuff with three ways to adapt your presentations and getting really into the nitty gritty right after this. As you can tell, in the Big Presentations podcast, we like to keep things practical. We want to give you material that you can use. So if you like this type of information, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of Big Presentations in small rooms. You can get it at Amazon, an audiobook, print book, or uh, the Kindle version as well. We'll drop that link in the show notes. So if you like learning practical information that's shared in a way that's engaging with a lot of stories, get your copy of that book today. So in this episode today, we are going to talk about how to adapt existing content so that we can repurpose it in ways that really save us time and energy and also make better presentations. Yeah, this is an excellent combination of benefits, saving time and energy while delivering better products. So we're bringing you a valuable gift today as we learn to adapt facial expressions, tone and words. So let's get into this thing. Now, the first two elements, facial expression and tone, are often overlooked. The third one, words, that's where we tend to focus. I can see that. Now, we don't think too much about the first two because they usually happen without much thought, at least not without much thought in preparation, meaning that we we do it a lot, but we aren't often thinking ahead like, what is my face going to look like when I say this? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I like the way you said that. Not much thought in preparation. We do make decisions regarding our facial expressions and our tone, but they are usually made like in the moment in reaction to what's going on around us. Those quick choices are influenced by both our personalities and our experiences. Ah, yeah. It's like knowing parents and then meeting their kids and you see how one has definitely influenced the other. (laughs) Exactly. And when teachers meet parents for like a parent teacher conference, and realize where specific behaviors and mannerisms originated, uh, it's not always a surprise. Now, these mannerisms might be good or bad or just, you know, neither one. Maybe they're just neutral. The point we're making is that they are often intuitive and they're not planned out. And sometimes they are surprising to the person who's doing it. (laughs) Which is not a good thing. For example, like when a person is talking to their own child and then realize that they sound just like their own parents. Like, did, did my mom's voice just come out of my mouth? This happens to me a lot, by the way. <laughs> when delivering big presentations, the facial expressions should be considered. They should be thought about. We should ask what presence will be most effective in this situation. So when we're adapting a presentation, we should ask the same question. Yeah, right. And and to help us think more deeply about this concept, we'll look at some stereotypical characters from like TV and film, and they'll help us think about natural tendencies and the times when those characters will need to adapt. Oh, great. This sounds like fun. Yeah, Yeah, this will be fun. So the first stereotype is the poker face. These are the ones who hide all emotions. You just can't tell what they're thinking. Okay, so let's see. Uh, TV and movie characters that come to mind. Uh, Mueller, anyone? Mueller? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like he has no expression. He's obviously Love frustrated, it. but you could, I mean, if you had it muted, you would never know. It's just Mueller. He's <laughs> totally stone faced. I mean, 100%. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Of course, you know, you might think of, of uh, King of the Hill, you know, the main guy. So, 
Hey, Bobby. I mean, you know, what you doing, Bobby? I mean, his face <laughs> he hardly ever changes unless he's really mad, like really mad. But, you know, you get that that kind of deadpan delivery. And then, of course, the most deadpan of all. And it, he has kind of a crutch for it because he's an alien, so he doesn't have okay, to feel yeah. emotions. But it is Mr. Spock, you uh, know, because he's yeah. just completely devoid and doesn't understand why people feel that way. Also, <laughs> to some extent, maybe even from the Big Bang Theory, you think about Sheldon. He's, oh. He doesn't understand emotions and is kind of confused by them, but he's frustrating everyone around him, which makes him kind of a, a, a weird contrast. <laughs> he's creating all of these emotions while showing none. <laughs> all right, that's good. So these characters, they'll do well in situations where they need to remain like a, a neutral or at least appear to remain neutral. They have a natural advantage in those situations. But they might need to adapt in a situation where they need to provide inspiration or some sort of emotional connection, maybe any emotional connection at all, it's in some cases. <laughs> right. Another stereotype is at the opposite end of the spectrum. And, and for these people, all emotions are apparent. Yeah, like the movie Inside Out, the, the character Riley, when joy is on the inside, there was joy very obvious on the outside, too. And of course, when anger was on the inside, you could see it on the outside. And if you want to just go for the ultimate example, the Incredible Hulk. I mean, when he's mad, you can kind of tell. I mean, he, he doesn't have a poker face. I would like to play poker with him. I think I would know if he had a bad hand. Like yep, If he had a in. bad hand. <laughs> <laughs> so there are situations where the emotions can be helpful. They can help provide inspiration or some kind of emotional connection. But when neutrality is needed, well, they're going to need to adapt somehow. Right. Yeah. Good point. Like the poker face. There will be times when they need to adapt, even if it doesn't come naturally to them. When planning for a presentation, even when it is repurposing content, like we're talking about today, it's good for them to know the context of the presentation so they can adapt the approach. It's And remember, it's not about what's easy. It's about what works. It's about what's effective. So your goal is to provide what's best for connecting the audience to the content. And this will often be somewhere between the poker player and the dramatic person. So here's another good example. A good TV news personality has to really be honed in and walk the area between the two extremes, the ones that are not often the subject of parody. You know, if, if you go on extremes, then it's very easy to make fun of them. But their extremes are made uh, fun of because, well, they're just too much. And sometimes you get to see it, and those make those nice little highlight reels on YouTube of news reporters messing up, which I'm so happy I don't have to be on any of those, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, recently I was at a friend's house, and the news came on TV, and my friend said, I do not like that newscaster because she is just way too dramatic. She can't just tell us the news. That's a good example. They got to walk that fine line. So the challenge here is to be authentic as you make adjustments. And it's possible. So don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, this is just the way I am. So take it or leave it. Because many people, they'll leave it. <laughs> Instead, we've got to use some some empathy and some wisdom to engage authentically in ways that are helpful in that specific situation. So adjust your facial expressions. Here is a very odd example that just came to mind. Take yourself out of an auditorium 
off of a stage from behind a podium and put yourself beside a hospital bed. You have a very specific tone that you know you need to hit, and you usually will put some sort of effort into that because you're going to be empathetic. You don't want to be rude or crass. You probably don't want to make jokes about the situation if they're not in any way tasteful. You think about those things. And in as much as that's an extreme situation, if you can put yourself in that mindset of adapting to your specific audience, those situations, then you can really set yourself up for success. Now, that's that's not just the facial expressions. It's also about the tone, which is what comes next. All right. Now, before we do that, a story, a memory just came to mind. Another embarrassing story for me. All right. Oh, wait, Um, let's set set the tone. We're going back. This is a memory, right? This is a memory. This is going back in time. All right. Okay. I'm in the mindset now. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. All right. So going back in time, this was 25 years ago and I was visiting a family in the hospital and the whole family was there because the man in the hospital bed was critically ill. But it was a family that had such a great sense of humor. They laughed a lot. So I was there visiting, and one of the sons had just been telling a story that was so incredibly funny. It's too inappropriate for me to tell right here, but it was so (laughs) stinking funny. So he had just told this story, and we were all laughing. And then another couple came in to visit. And so I just stepped back. So they could step up to the bed and visit. Well, as I, you know, in the quiet is there, you know, just being really encouraging and quiet and thoughtful. I start thinking about that story. (laughs) I start giggling and I can't stop. My face is red. I'm grinning like an idiot and just (laughs) biting my tongue and wishing. (laughs) And of course, I'm on the far side of the room from the door you know so i feel like i just so it sounds like i'm having some kind of medical problem myself (laughs) you're just having a mental break right there (laughs) yes oh my goodness so my facial expression was not appropriate neither was my (laughs) end of the second topic let's talk about that tone oh right now paul you know, this concept applies to most of your work because people don't see your facial expressions in, in your radio and podcast work, but they do hear your tone. That's right. And it is funny because you can usually tell when a broadcaster, especially on the radio, when something is wrong because the smile in their voice goes away. <laughs> they, it, 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 almo- it almost makes you sound uncertain when you sound serious and it's not like a, a sad news story or something. It's, it's a little weird in that way. And there are shows that I've edited over the years where the tone just wasn't right for one reason or another, or it's just too much. As a matter of fact, there's one that, that I've, I've edited before where the uh, the female co-host sometimes will, will have had like a, a very real emotional day for some reason or another. Usually it involved a family member and she will just be like straight up weepy. And, it, and it's supposed to be a very fun show. And so sometimes she'll be telling the story and she will just lose it. And, and I have to get to a point where I'm like, do I want this to stay? Because Ooh. it is a part of this person's real life. And, you know, we don't want anyone to think that life is perfect. But at the same time, it's like you have this fairly upbeat show. And then in the middle of it, you have just this huge emotional breakdown. And, and it just feels out of place. And you're just going, oh, OK, well, this is awkward. <laughs> 
screen. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. And and at some point, you just have to come down on one side or another. But yeah, it is amazing how tone can be such a big deal. And, and sometimes, you know, you can just misread the situation and be glib about something that doesn't need to be glib about. You know, and it's always uh, comedians, I think, get a lot of flack for this. Some big tragedy will happen and then somebody will be the first one to make right. some sort of a probably off color joke about the situation. And of course, the the saying that comes up is too soon. Too soon. It was too soon. <laughs> but the truth on some level, any any joke that's the first joke, no matter how long it is, is probably going to be the one that's too soon. But at the same time, you just you you watch them do that and you're just going, oh, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like this is the wrong tone for the wrong moment. And uh, it's interesting to watch people navigate or not navigate those waters. 100 percent tone can be such a landmine to step on if you're not paying attention. So with that, think about the tone being the vocal expression. You have facial expressions. Those are pretty obvious, but you can adapt those as well as your vocal expressions to make a presentation just really honed in and a little bit different from one place to another. Yeah, yeah. And and, and when we're thinking about the tone, a good word is appropriate. And you're you're kind of talking about that concept of what's appropriate or inappropriate. Uh, so two things that need to be appropriate with our tone are energy and seriousness. Okay, so first things first, let's talk about appropriate energy. So when delivering presentations, your voice needs to have life. You don't want to be a drudge. And you also don't want to be really hyped up all the time because that, that's just exhausting after a while. <laughs> Instead, you want to have that appropriate energy for the situation or the that specific presentation. Yeah, good, good. So appropriate energy. What about uh, the appropriate seriousness? Oh, this is hard when you're married. <laughs> <laughs> in, in some situations, humor and laughter are are welcome and, and effective elements. And, and other times, they're, they're not. They're counterproductive. Like if you joke about a situation with your wife that she is, thinks is very serious and it isn't serious to you. And you will know when you've messed up because her facial expression will adapt that situation to know that you are you are wrong. And it communicates very effectively. It but. does. No words necessary. Not to say there won't be any, but the words will not be necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. Oh. Hey, it's Paul here taking a quick break to let you know about my wife's brand new podcast, Mommy Needs a Moment. If you're a mom and you feel like in any given day that you need just a moment, well, then take this moment to get a little encouragement a little inspiration, a little something to get you through the rest of the day. Each episode is only five minutes or less, and they drop on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays wherever you get your podcasts with my wife, Sarah. Check it out. It's Mommy Needs a Moment wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're taking a quick break from the show to catch up with each other and find out what in the world we've been doing over the last week. So, Mike, you had a trip or something that you were going on, right? Yeah, road trip. Man, I've been, look, I've been looking forward to that road trip, and it was very good. I went to El Dorado, Arkansas. Their town square area has just been such a fun place to be. I mean, when I lived there 20-plus years ago, they had started updating it, and it was cool then, but now it's even better and nice. we stayed at a hotel right there on the town square so we could just walk over to the coffee shop or walk around that area that was a lot of fun uh, but the best part was getting to reconnect with old friends 
so that Sunday morning, uh, I preached uh, at a church there in El Dorado where uh, there were so many relationships that go back 25 plus years. So I got to catch up with people, and that was just so good. It was such a sweet time. When we left there, we headed to Horseshoe Canyon Ranch, which is right outside of Jasper, Arkansas. It is a hilly, beautiful area where there's a a, a lot of those steep grade warnings, you know, and the runaway ramps on the side <laughs> of the road. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, we're in our Honda Accord, uh, but I was not happy when we got off the main road and hit what I thought was the entrance of Horseshoe Canyon Ranch. It was not the entrance. It was the beginning of a horrible dirt road that was rutted (laughs) out from recent rain. Uh, Water's going across the road at one point. I'm getting out and wading through that to make sure it's not going to flood out the car. (laughs) I'm thinking, what have we got? Because it's so, it felt, and it was starting to get dark, it felt so narrow that I, I felt like we can't turn around. I kind of wanted to turn around and just go to town, you know? Right. But we kept going and we made it to the bottom. Uh, it ended up tearing out the, you know, the splash guard on the bottom of the car. Oh, that no. That thing is, I don't know if it's salvageable or not, tore it up pretty good. But we made it down there and we we camped there. It was it was beautiful. Got up early the next morning, went for a hike, got to see a lot of the walls that uh, Aaron, who's my son, and his wife, Emma, and they love to climb. So we oh, saw okay. a lot of the walls that they climbed there. And there are some adventures that I will share on a future podcast from that time because there are some good lessons to learn from those crazy. We had a couple of crazy things happen to us. But for now, I'll just say we formed a lot of great memories, had a great road trip. We were able to come back through Oklahoma uh, and stay with Kelly's mom for a night there and catch up with her. That was the highlight of our week was that road trip. Very nice. And of course, your car was appreciative because it got to shave off a few pounds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it, it was like it got a shave. That's true. That's true. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Well, things are, are, are the same yet different around here because we didn't go anywhere. But Mike and I's dad came up to Nashville to visit my family. So dad's here and it's been fun having him here and, of course, getting to catch up. And, and it's, it's interesting because you realize how different things are from the last time you, know, you spent real time with dad because you know i have phone conversations with him but you know you don't get to just sit around and talk and just let your conversations go and and it's been fun to catch up with him and be like oh yeah i'd forgotten about that story or oh man it's it's weird like i i feel like i'm a kid again because dad's here you know it's been fun to catch up on all that and that's been a lot of fun and uh, also got to to book a wedding for later this year which was very nice so i'll be uh spinning some tunes at a at another wedding and then um last weekend uh, I actually had a wedding that got booked very last minute that I got to do that was a very positive experience and uh, went really well and uh, always love it when people tip, which oh, was, there we go. which was weird. This was a weird occurrence for me because not only did I get tipped, I got paid up front, which I was like, oh, wow, you're there very trusting. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to stick around. It's like I'm a last minute are. replacement and you're preemptively temping and paying me. Hmm. All cool. right. <laughs> I, I love your trusting nature. <laughs> it was really a lot of fun and it was it was cool to get to be able to do these things again because it, it's been a while for that has been steady because of, you know, the world we live in being right. a little crazy. So it's nice to see things calming down and and being able to do that again. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. That's good. That was another good week. It was another good week. And now we're going to get back to another good show. We'll be back in just a minute. So you're talking earlier about 
you know, times when tone has been like on that borderline and you, you're having to make a decision whether or not you should cut some material simply because the tone was inappropriate. Yeah, it's almost like thinking about the company that you are presenting something to. Once again, think about it not in terms of an audience in a presentation. Think in terms of like with a friend. If you are with a friend and they brought along a friend of theirs, but you don't know them that well, you're probably not going to spill your guts about how bad your life is or how your divorce is going badly or your kids don't like you anymore. This is not an appropriate audience for this tone or this energy or just this topic in general, more than right, likely. Right. But it, and it's the same kind of deal on a scaled back version when it comes to an audience and a presentation. You have to be able to find that balance of like, what are you going to share? Obviously, that's the, the selection of your topic and your materials, but also the tone. Because you may be able to share some things, but you got to be able to shape it in a way that that it's coming across effectively. Because if you sound glib about something serious, no one's going to hear you the right. way you want them to. Oh, right. That's good. I, I like that. The way you want them to. And this is something that's been a, a big part of my life because I've, I've done a number of weddings and funerals. And so there's this need for balance. So, for example, a few weeks ago, I did a wedding. And it meant a lot to me that I had a few people come up to me afterwards, younger people say, when I get married, I want you to do it. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that makes me feel good that they liked it that much. But one of them said, what I really liked is that you never made me totally cry. There would be points that were sweet enough that I'm starting to feel like I might cry. And then you tell a joke. There and you go. So we'd have that balance because it's it's more of a celebration. So I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to make people cry. Of course, it happens <laughs> in a lot of weddings, you know, all the emotion and everything. But it's a celebration. Really, I'm thinking more the other way. Like part of what makes the celebration have more life is these small, serious moments within it. And that really highlights the celebration of it. And then at funerals, it's like you're flipping that equation. It is a very serious thing. But there are times when telling a good memory or a funny story that really captured the personality of the person whose life we're celebrating is appropriate and allows people to kind of breathe and laugh and, and have some, some balance in that setting as well. When we're thinking about both tone and facial expressions, we want to make sure it's appropriate and we want to make sure that we're creating a sense of, of balance that in itself uh, has the right ratio. So, you know, if a funeral is going to be more serious than a, a wedding, but there's that need for some balance in both of them. And I guess that's where the, the word levity has a good place. I never really thought about, you know, how we use that word, but in the context of way, the way we use it, it, it makes sense. Bringing some levity to the situation, bringing kind of a counterbalance into a, a situation. So that's, that's a challenge is to have that appropriate balance. Absolutely. And this is kind of a, a weird thing that came to my mind when you were talking about how those uh, in a serious situation, those those moments of levity really do stand out and, and are a good breather in the same way that a very big celebration moment. You know, if you're just up the entire time, then it doesn't mean as much when there's like a small serious moment. And also those up moments don't seem as up even amongst a really big celebratory situation and the thing that i really went to in my mind with that was thinking about an album of music 
and bear with okay, me on this. Yeah, I like so this. So I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of the, the bands I listen to play fairly heavy music, lots of loud guitars, big drums, maybe some growling and screaming. But when they have a ballad in the middle of that, that has none of those things, it'll have an acoustic guitar, maybe no drums at all. And the lead singer screams not a bit. And they just sing that song is huge and stands out and often will be a fan favorite for a band that otherwise doesn't do a whole lot of that. In the same uh, like way that. that there were bands that were uh, favorites of mine that did maybe more like middle of the road rock music, but they would have like one or two songs that were just like really heavy. And those would be my one of my favorite ones on that album because they really stood out and showcased a different side of that band. And I think about the bands that just have albums that all the songs sound the same and they get kind of boring. Right. But yeah. when you have that ebb and flow, it really makes both sides of that coin really shine in a That's way good. that sounds so much more interesting. And and a presentation is much the same. If you just hit the same note throughout the entire presentation and this is where you are the entire time and your face doesn't change and your tone doesn't change, you are going to bore people into tears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. So one other thing that we should address, of course, is authenticity. And the mm-hmm. truth is that some people are natural comedians. They're just funny. And other people are not. They're just naturally very serious. Both need to use self-discipline to provide what is probably the most appropriate thing for each individual situation while still being authentic to who they are. Now, this Mm. is, needless to say, a challenge, but it is a possible thing to achieve. Right. So you got to know yourself. So for example, what works best for me is not to try to be funny. I have learned some hard lessons in the past where I just thought I need to come in and I need to always start off with something funny. That got me in more trouble than it did help help me. Now, I don't come into situations with jokes in mind. I come in with a desire to connect with people. If funny stuff happens, that's great. And it becomes a part of the experience. And if not, well, that's okay, too. We can have a good experience without like just laugh out loud funny things happening. In most situations where I've been delivering presentations, a few funny things will happen. And I can ride that wave of humor. It adds some flavor to the presentation, but I don't try to force it. Yeah, because forcing it can turn into a problem. It can cause you to make a joke out of something that isn't actually funny or isn't appropriate. And if either one of those things happen, you lose. And as a matter of fact, another quick example, there is a show that I listen to quite a bit. And one of the hosts of this show, it is so obvious that he's trying to force a joke out of everything that they talk about that sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes it does come off a little tone deaf because you're like, this was a serious story. And I know you're trying to find like the humor lining of this, but it isn't there, or at least it's not what you found. (laughs) It's okay to be serious and it's okay to just let it go. And sometimes things just need to be serious and that's okay. But once again, like you said, if you try to force that humor and shoehorn it in, then oftentimes it is painful. Oh, all right. So you got to <laughs> adapt facial expressions, got to uh, adapt your tone. Our final concept is the adaptation of words. And, and this is what most people think about when they think about adapting presentations, uh, especially since the, the other adaptations we're talking about facial expressions and tone. Those are more intuitive. Right. So remember that we're focused on adapting existing content, and it is a gift to be able to do it. One uh, event-based organization that I worked with did a masterful job of staying true to their brand by having a limited number of 
topics. They specialized in a limited number of subjects. So there were these blocks of presentation content that could be mixed and matched to address the needs of the situation. And the vast majority of the clients needed the information that was found somewhere in those blocks. So they could just pull from that pool of content and meet the need with just a little bit of customization to fit the culture and the desires of each unique customer. I'm taking a similar approach with my book. There are dozens of topics addressed in that book. And I've worked with that information so much that I could easily piece together content that would meet the needs of a potential client. I can adapt. And that's good. And the best way to be able to adapt it is to save that content. Because as time passes, you'll discover certain chunks of that that are easy to repurpose for other presentations. Right. And, and when you do this, when adapting your words, when repurposing content, the key word here is customization. Okay, so customization, got it. Now, what should guide those customizations when people are doing those things? All right, so a couple of things to think about. The audience and the situation. So remember, you are adapting a presentation for a different audience. So who is it? How is that audience different from the original one? Is it a different organization? Is it a different department within the same organization? Uh, is it a different level within the hierarchy of the same organization? How is the, the culture of this new audience different from the previous one? How are their primary concerns different? So customize according to the audience. Now, right, right. what's the second one? So the second one is customizing according to the situation. Okay, so how is that different from customizing to the audience? Because it seems like your audience would be your situation. Here's a story. It's not an embarrassing story, but it is a difficult uh, memory. During okay. the recession. No, um, no, 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 no. We're going back in time. Okay, going back in time. Okay, I'm there. All right. <laughs> During the recession of 2008. I was training crew leaders for the water department of a large municipality, one of the largest cities in the U.S., and it was a, a four-part series of classes, and there were so many crew leaders, so much that we had to like split the, the large group of crew leaders into multiple groups just to be able to keep the class size manageable. So we had these different cohorts, so to speak, of crew leaders going through this through this training. Uh, and the first few groups, they came through with no problems at all. They were engaged, they were friendly, they were they were focused, and those classes were pretty easy to facilitate. And then halfway through one of the series, so I've got the same core cohort, they've been together for the first two classes. After those first two classes, the situation changed. The recession had really hit the city and affected the city's income. There was just not enough money to maintain the current payroll. So the, the city like made a system that would keep everyone employed, but would cut everyone's hours. Mm. So all employees were faced with unpaid time off. It was stressful. This new situation made the facilitation much more difficult. I had to change my approach to be effective in this new situation. I couldn't just plug and play the content, even though the, you know, the group was the same, but the situation was not the same. So this, this affected the words and the facial expressions and the tone. Wow. 
Yeah, I can definitely see how that would change it because there are certain things that just would seem out of place all of a sudden that, you know, you, you might have had a, a, a joke that would have been funny when you're not worried about money. But as soon as you right. are, then all of a sudden it's not funny anymore. And it also it can make you feel tone deaf and like you're unaware if you don't tailor that. And, and then people right. are just going to tune you out or right. they're going to actively hate you. <laughs> Which right. Is not yeah. Good. You know, in that situation, there was not a a joke no, that would have worked. That. No. The only kind of joke they would have appreciated would have been totally inappropriate and would right. have been a betrayal on my part. Right. Of the people who were paying me to be there and be a helpful presence. Right. It was it was tough. And the the atmosphere in the room was just so tense. So I, I had to shift and make sure that I was using an appropriate approach to that very difficult situation. Today, we're talking about three different areas. We're talking about facial expressions, tone, and words. And we want to keep in mind how they interact with and influence each other. The words, tone, and facial expressions should all be together appropriate. And they should make sense given the goal of the presentation and the situation in which it's being delivered. Keep in mind how your facial expressions will influence your tone. Of course, when you record audio a lot like I do, you you have to remember this because if you sound like you're smiling, you, you probably are. And it makes it easier for you to sound happier when I'm smiling. I started smiling halfway through that last statement <laughs> and I sound better. Like I sound, sound happy. Good. I sound like a cheery person that just wants to give hugs. So if you want to sound serious, then the smile has to drop. And all of a sudden, your face relaxes, and maybe you sound a lot more serious. And one adaptation can easily lead to another, but you have to be able to make those transitions because sometimes smiling is not appropriate. If we're in a situation where we can repurpose content a lot, we have to be even more careful because there will be different blocks of content that we tend to approach in a certain way. Right. And in normal circumstances, perhaps in most circumstances, that works. But there will be times, eventually, there will be times when your default approach is not what's appropriate. So another key concept here is that of awareness. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going on in the room and what the atmosphere is like and what might have just happened that you don't know about yet. Make sure that that you are paying attention and trying to respond appropriately. Now, we, we know this might be a little uncomfortable for us, uh, this adaptation. So it's good for us to remember that the goal is not to do what's easiest. It is to do what is most effective in the situation. Yeah, and, and sometimes you'll get lucky, and what is best also happens to be what is easiest for you, but <laughs> those are the good times. You got to love that, but you know, there's going to be other times when you have to adapt. It may not be easy, but it will be better, and with practice, it will get easier to do that adapting, which is huge. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't want to underestimate the power of practice. The more you make adaptations, the easier those adaptations become. So part of the reason it's more difficult at the beginning is simply that you haven't had much practice. Very true. So just keep on trying. Keep learning and keep becoming more 
adaptable, and you will be on your way to delivering big presentations in small rooms. Have you been able to use some of the things that we talked about on the show? Well, let us know about it. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what information you found the most useful and made your presentation better.